Good morning and welcome to All Things Jessamine. I'm Doug Fain. On today's program, another rerun because this last Thursday, another one of our guests from former years passed away. His name was Creed Johns and he died on Thursday, the 21st day of February. Creed was a Jessamine Countyan by native. He was a mail carrier for many years and at the age of 19, he was in World War II at the height of and the end of the war as he fought in Germany. We interviewed him on a broadcast that uh, took place back in July of 2016. At that time, Mr. Johns was 92 years old and had some most interesting stories about his life and his time in the military. So today, as we extend our sympathy to the entire family, we play this program in honor and in memory of one of our Jessamine County friends, Mr. Creed Johns. Hi, this is Doug Fain. Before our interview starts with Mr. Johns, I want to tell you about something that happened. We pre-recorded this interview with Creed back a couple of weeks ago, and in it, we ask him about his family. He tells us that out of all of the brothers and sisters, that he and his youngest brother, Tom Welch Johns, are the only ones still living. Well, sadly, the night of the day we interviewed him, his youngest brother, Tom, passed away. We extend our sincere condolences to to the Johns family and to Creed. And now we present to you the interview that took place that day with a World War II veteran and his story, Creed Johns. Good morning and welcome to All Things Jessamine. Glad to have you on this Saturday morning as we continue to learn more about the county we live in and learn about people, places, and things. With us today, we have a gentleman who has been in this county for quite a few years and uh, has had quite a life. Uh, he has served in the military. He has served in the Postal Service. He has farmed. He's been a, a fixture in this town, in the Union Mill area of this county for a long time. His name is Creed Johns, and he he is with us today. We are so glad that he was able to join us. Good morning. Good morning. Glad you were able to come in and uh, be with us today. And you have an interesting story. Uh, there are some people who follow our program who also follow the You Grew Up in Justman County Facebook page and have seen the picture, the one that is, is in the National Archives, is that where it's at, of you coming up the hill as a soldier, snow, there's snow on the ground, and you and another gentleman, and we'll get into that in a moment and talk about that, but that was during World War II, right. as you all were uh, uh, captured in a photograph with an AP photographer, I think it was? Yeah. So we'll get into that here in a moment, but I want to start, if you will, tell us about how Creed Johns came to this earth. <laughs> tell us about your mom and dad, when you were born, and where, and who your brothers and sisters were. Well, I was born on... Jessamine Creek, January the 25th, 1924. Now, for anybody that does some quick figuring, it sounds to me like you're just, you're getting close to what, 93? Yeah. You're next, 90 next birthday will be 93. 93. Who was your mom and dad? My daddy was Robert Lee Johns, and my mother was Annis Brumfield yeah. before she married daddy. Now, what they were Jessamine County folk. Yes. Was she... Akin to all the Brumfields that's yeah, around here, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Johns, which was a pretty good sized family, yeah. and the Brumfields, kind of like the Hagers, yeah. kind of like crabgrass. They yeah. were everywhere, weren't they? Yeah. You had a big family. You did. Now, you were born in twenty four. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes. And who are they? There was eight of us. Okay. There's two of us left. All right. Me and my youngest brother Tom Welch. All the others are gone. There was. Three girls 
and five boys okay. in my family. So and you were next to youngest? No, I was two from the bottom. Two from the bottom. So you, you raised up in a pretty good-sized family. Of course, yes. back then, Creed, what was the age difference between you and the oldest? Do you remember? Twelve years. So pretty much some of the older ones were able to take care of themselves. Yes. Yes. And you know, we've often talked to people that had back in those days they'd have a lot of kids but you got to think about it the older ones by the time the younger ones were born the older ones sometimes were even out of the house true so it wasn't like you were raising them all at one time yeah uh down on the creek my mother had never weaned my sister who was just 18 months old i think mm-hmm. so a lady across the creek had just weaned a baby mm-hmm. her name was elizabeth taylor so they put me on Elizabeth Taylor for two weeks till my mother could get my sister weaned. Really? And my oldest brother, who was named Albert, he would saddle the mare yeah. across the creek, get Miss Taylor and bring her over. And she, I would nurse her, and then he'd go back and he'd go get her twice a day. People that are listening to us that are 60 years old and younger are probably listening thinking, what in the world is he talking about? I mean, that's just days gone by that yeah. can, are not duplicated. It's amazing how but it's that's, changed. That's how I started. You were born on Jessamine Creek, probably had a normal childhood, boy growing up, into everything. Where'd you go to school? Bethel. Bethel School. Well, I started at Hanley. Yeah, that's one a, room. That's another story. We moved to the Sean Road in 1929. Mm-hmm. 90 acres. Was the Paul Bowen's father owned that farm mm-hmm. the farm i was raised on was uh, dr snyder okay my grandmother we always lived close to her agnes johns mm-hmm. always stayed close to her daddy did if he could get a place we was, had started to handley this is the story in itself and we were driving a pony and a buggy and we moved to the shun road from 27 i can't think of the name of that and one day uh, we were coming home in that buggy, and one of the shafts come loose, and the po- my brother that was killed in World War II was driving the pony, and he couldn't hold her. I was sitting in my oldest sister's lap, and she jumped out with me mm. and fractured three of my ribs. Yeah. I didn't get to go back to school any of that year. Next year, we started going to Bethel. Now, did you go all through 12 grades? No, I, I did two years of high school. Okay. Was it at that point in time that you were in the service, or was that later? That was before. Okay. So what? when would you have gone into the service then? Uh, 43. Now, were you? was that something you did on your own, or did Uncle no, Sam was, say you're going? I was drafted. You were drafted. Yeah. And, and you, but 43, just, you were, what, 20? I was 19. 19 years old. Yeah. So you probably worked on the farm until I that did, point, yeah. and Uncle Sam said, we need you, and yeah. you went and you told me, where would you start out? Uh, Fort Thomas. Okay. At that point in time at 19 years old, had you met your future wife? Yes. Okay, so yeah, you but were you all dating at that time? I, uh, as far as dating? Sorta. Kinda? Okay. So you went to the war. Now, you're shipped off, and you went, uh, you tell me, what did you say, Fort? Fort Thomas, Fort Kentucky. Thomas. We, that was just the, they get you in, you get, we got our uniforms, and then they took us to Camp Wheeler, Georgia. Yeah. It's right out of Macon. And that's where I did my basic training. Did you know at that time that you were going to end up in Germany? 
Did not. You had no idea. No. Did you go anywhere before Germany? Yeah, we went to uh, Virginia. That's okay. Where we shipped out. But from. but as far as overseas, no. So when you got to Virginia, did you did you find out then that's where we're going? Yeah, we knew we was going to. And in '43, things were pretty much yeah on its way. Yeah. So you knew that when you were shipped out, this is going to be hard. We left out of Virginia and landed at Casablanca, North Africa. Yeah. And the Americans and the other Allied troops had run the Germans out of North Africa. There wasn't any fighting there. Yeah. But they took us to a camp that was named for the first American killed in North Africa. His name was John B. Passage, mm-hmm. and the camp was called John B. Passage Farm. They moved us across North Africa in the 40 and 8, that's 40 men or eight horses, boxcar, World War One. Yeah. So they put 30 of us in 100 gallons of water and enough rations for a week. And we rode that train for a week and wound up in uh, Old Rand. And one of the high points of that place, the ex-king of England and the American divorcee had married at the best beach in the world, they said. But we stayed there a week, and then we got back on a a boat and went into Naples, Italy. Mm-hmm. And from Naples, we were at we stayed at Mussolini's racetrack. It was like kind of like Keeneland up here. Yeah. And uh, we got the first bombing right there. They were Stuka dive bombers. If you know what that is, they start diving, and at the end of the dive, they turn the bomb loose. That was the first bombing I was in. And one hit close to me and my partner's tent and buried up in the ground. It didn't go off. That is what the slave laborers of Germany did. They did They did a lot of that. And when this happened, you were 19. Yeah. Do, do you remember, do you still, I'm sure you do, the fear that had to be oh, in your mind? Man. I mean, you come from a little place called Jessamine County, yeah. Kentucky, and now all of a sudden you're in Italy. Yeah. With bombs falling beside you. How in the world, how scary. Now, let me ask you before you answer that. Did you have brothers already there or in in the Uh, war? I had a brother. Okay. Had you been, had you communicated with him to know what to expect? He, but I got overseas before he did. Oh, okay. So you were the pioneer in the family. He was in Louisiana and he got a leave to come home and he was hitchhiking back in a coal truck. It wrecked mm-hmm. and almost broke his back. So they thought he was gone. They didn't nobody know where he was. Yeah. But when he got out of that hospital, his unit had already gone to the Pacific. So they sent him okay. to the Atlantic. So and he, he'd only been up there 30 days when he got killed. Yeah. And that's why, oh, is that right, a month yeah. in, the, in the Atlantic? He went into the 2nd Armor Division. I think he was on a half track that took a direct hit. How long after you got over there did you know that he had died? Oh, it, I didn't get the news uh, several months yeah. before I knew. The, the night so, that I we was on a hill in, in Germany when I got the word on a fifty caliber machine gun, and I had to stand two hours on that gun that night, the day I got the news mm-hmm. he had been killed. So at 19 years old, you got bombs falling around you. And you find out that your your big brother right. was gone. I can't even imagine oh, how man. scared you would yeah. have been. Just, you just had to put up with it. <laughs> now, I understand also that you had a problem with, uh, was it tonsils when you got over there? 
We were in, on Anzio Beach when I had that trouble. Yeah. You've heard of Anzio Beach. Yeah, yeah. That, that's as, that was as close to hell as you can ever come really? to Anzio Beach. But the first sergeant would come by every day. We were dug in in Foxhole. And he looked at me and he said, John, what's the matter with your neck? My tonsils were swollen way out. Mm-hmm. He said, you get your butt over to that aid station. So I went over there, and they took me to the hospital. I can't remember the woman's name now. This, she took me in. She said, I believe we could. I was hoping to get to go back to Naples, mm-hmm. to the big hospital. Mm-hmm. But uh, that nurse said her name was Mary Wilson. If you ever read Tom Brokaw's book, she's got a page in there. Oh, yeah? But uh, she said, I believe we can treat you right here. So she gave me a shot in the back end, and and I stayed there five days. Mm. And she said, I'm going to send you back to your unit. I said, I don't know where they are. She said, you'll find them. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And you did. So I got out and started hitchhiking. The first ride I got was with a British soldier, and he took me about two or three miles. Then I walked until almost dark and i come up on a mp unit that was yeah. serving chow and i fell in the back line and got my chow and they knew where my unit was wasn't too far away from there. man so i got back to my unit about dark that night on your own yeah Anzio beach wow so you got back into the service now how long were you in over there you went in 43 you said how long were you there uh, I got out. I got back to Nicholasville in '45. So two years. Yeah. You went through all that through the major thing. How close did you get? You evidently were really close because, folks, and I wish I wish we were televised. Uh, he brought in today some remnants that he brought back from from the war, including a full size swastika flag. That you acquired in a uh, Nuremberg. Play, uh, play in Nuremberg, is that the closest you got to Hitler? No, not really. We was in Italy, getting close to the mountains. We hadn't got in the mountains yet, and uh, I was leading leading the column, and he hollered, "My John, hold it right there." He said. You see right over there, here come 15 German soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I was walking right at them, and I had never, had never seen them. So he dropped down on the ground, took his field glasses out of his, they called them a musel bag mm-hmm. for an officer. And he left that bag. And we, we moved back, I'd say maybe 50 yards. He said, oh, John, I left my pack. Would you go out there and get it for me? Yeah. So that was a that I, was a perk I, of being an officer. So I, yeah, I crawled out there and got yeah. got back, and there was a rock wall. They're close. He lined us up behind that wall, and we started pouring lead at those Germans. And I think we killed one, captured one, and the rest of them run back, got away. But they was coming up to the same point where we were coming. Now is that you said that it was, was the first day in action? Okay. But but where where did where did you get close to the the Third Reich as far as the leadership well, is concerned? That was about as close. That was it, right yeah. there. Now was the picture that I alluded to? Where did that play in your service? Which one? The one, yeah, where you're coming up the hill and it's snow on the ground that oh, the AP that, photographer that was, got. Uh, the the war was almost over. Okay. 
and it was uh, we were 13 miles inside Germany, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a 50 caliber machine gun. I think there were six of us. Uh, a full squad is supposed to be 12 men, but we never did have a full squad. Yeah. But we were on this hill, and we were looking into a little village called Schunau, and we'd see the Germans come in and unload their trucks. But our orders was not to fire at anybody unless we were fired at. Yeah. There was an area, I'll say maybe it was a half a mile, that no American division was covered, and we were supposed to cover that area with that mm-hmm. fifty caliber. So that's what we did. Man in charge would assign somebody to guard at night. And uh, this picture, we went down at the higher company commander and the battalion commander were down at the bottom of this hill. It's a big hill we were on. So we went down to get ammo. We had half ammo and rations and the mail. We got our mail up mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And as we were coming back up, we were almost up to where the gun was. And this man hollered, hold it right there, don't move. And I thought he was a German. But he was from Associated Press International. Mm-hmm. He took that picture. Mm-hmm. And that picture, I understand, is now in the, the archives. National Archives yeah. of you. Do you remember the fellow that was with you? Joe Carl. He lived at Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. A few years ago, I sent him a copy of that picture. I never heard from him. Yeah. I don't know whether he's dead or... But he could speak German. He could speak Polish. He could speak Russian. Oh, that was very handy. Yeah, it was. But what? he was the source one to stand guard with. <laughs> <laughs> well, t- you got to have one in the crowd, right? <laughs> He'd throw a blanket over his head. And we're standing there at night, dark night. I'd say, Joe, German's going to come up behind you and mm-hmm. get you. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said, uh, I like that blanket. He had it over his head. <laughs> Do you remember how you felt? And where were you when you heard it was over? We was in Germany. That's where that uh, last picture was made. First off, did you have any idea that it was close to over? Did you all have that information? I never, I, every day I'd wonder if I was going to make it till the next day. So you didn't know that we're almost to the end right but well i didn't until uh, we captured dachau okay it was uh, what 12 miles from munich and Uh, so you pretty much figured at that point yeah uh, we may have this lick oh that that was the most pitiful place you know my generation and and a lot of people even in your generation that did not have the misfortune of having to go serve if you want to say it that way i know to veterans it was a great honor to serve and to all of us, it's an honor that they did, but a lot of people didn't see and experience, and there's no way that pictures could tell you how bad it was. Oh. I, we'll say it that way. But I've seen the pictures of the camps, and just looking at those, I'm sure that is just pales in comparison to how it was to see it in person. Yeah. Cow was the worst. Did you were you prepared for what you were no, going to see? No, uh, the company commander knew. He he sent orders out, and he told him about. The, he's the only one that knew about the camp. We didn't know nothing, mm-hmm. and we was not the first ones in. We were supporting. My platoon was supporting mm-hmm. the uh, the platoon that got there first. But it was so pitiful. Our 
K rations had a little, we called them dog biscuits. Mm-hmm. And we could give one of those prisoners that, and he'd bow down on his knees thanking you. There was 3,100 in there, and there wasn't a one of them weigh 100 pounds. <laughs> that had to make you just, yeah. oh, that, that just turn your stomach. And uh, they had uh, people where they burn them, what do you call them? Uh, Crematory? Yeah. Yeah. They had four of those ovens mm-hmm. in there, and... The year she went back with us, I went in there, and I could still smell the smell. My wife said, you're just imagining that. So I believe that can happen. You go back to this camp all those years later, and that memory is ingrained. You'll never get that memory out of your head. And there was a railroad siding right beside of that place, and there were six boxcars loaded with corpses, naked, most of them, thrown in there like cordwood. How do you, how do you, you don't ever get that out of your no, mind. No, it'll be with me forever. You live with that. Yeah. But you had to feel good knowing that you were a part of the solution to the problem. Through the town of Dachau. Yeah. And those people in Dachau didn't know that you could ask them. They didn't know this. No, that, that wasn't out there. We didn't ever know that was out there. <laughs> how could, well. And they lived, I'll say, within a quarter mile of it. It was but, had to be an experience uh, that. See, he started that in 1932. That was his yeah, first. Hitler's yeah. first one. I, this is not the right way to ask this question. I started to say, "Would you do it again?" You were drafted. I, I'd say the question is: is if you had the opportunity to serve your country again, would you do it? I, I mean, would, you would do say it. yes. I would do it, but. Not like that. No. I mean, I'm sure you don't want to ever see anything like that again. That had to be so hard for people to yeah, come back home. Awful. But I'll say one thing. When you came back home, I bet it put a whole new perspective on what you had here. Yeah. Let me tell you a story about when I come home, I got into Lexington at midnight yeah. on Greyhound Bus. And a policeman was running a man on foot right through the station, and everybody fell out on the street to see if he was going to catch him. <laughs> and a man, I can't tell you his first name, it was Mr. Myers, mm-hmm. stepped up behind me, everybody in the bus station. He, he worked for the Lexington Water Company, and he pumped water, and he would got off of work at 12 o'clock and come to the bus station to get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But he knew my daddy. And I couldn't get a bus out to Nicholasville until 8.30 the next morning. And he said, I'll take you to Nicholasville. And there was a sailor standing behind me. And he said, well, can I ride with you? He said, yes. So we let him out Mm -hmm. at the courthouse, Mm -hmm. the sailor. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Myers said, how are you going to get home? I said, I'm going to walk. He said, no, you're not. I'm going to take you. So he took me right to the back door. Did your family know you were coming? No. So that was a surprise. Yeah, I got in. I knew how to get in the house. Oh, you're kidding. It was during the night. They were all asleep, <laughs> yeah. I guess. When did well, they find out you were there? They were sleeping upstairs, and my mother heard me, and she said, Who's down there? And I said, It's me. I'm home. What a surprise. <laughs> I bet you mom and dad, oh, I'm, I'm sure they cried. See, and they had lost Robert. Right. And you made it home safe. Yeah. Now, you served all that time, and, and I think, is it documented? Are you now in Jessamine County the oldest World War II veteran uh, that we have? I, I, 
probably, but I, probably don't, I are. don't know for sure. But I'm sure there's more close. So you came back home, and now you got to start your life yeah. again. So there's some things here that we want to make sure we talk about. First off, how did you get with your wife? Well, she remembered we met again the first Saturday night I was home. But things wasn't right. I don't. I can't explain it. But I went to Lexington and re-enlisted for eighteen months. Yeah. Because I couldn't. I couldn't make it. I was nervous. So uh, I went down to Port Campbell. They sent me, and I de- deactivated that. I think it was the Fifth Infantry Division. They deactivated that, and they sent me. T- to the MPs in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and it was rough on me. I tell you, we had to go in bars where they were in fights and th- stuff like that. I didn't like it. But the uh, captain called me and he said, Johns, we got a combat infantry bed. The Congress of the United States paid us $10 a month <laughs> while we were over there. So he said, Johns, you're drawing combat infantry pay, and you can't do that in the MPs. I said, well, sir, send me back to the infantry. (laughs) And he sent me as far away as he get to Fort Lewis, Washington, Mm -hmm. the 2nd Infantry Division. So the company clerk was got to be a good friend of mine, and he was giving up company clerk. And I had a volunteer typing class down here in Kentucky where I was. I took night school, and I got be a pretty good typist Mm -hmm. so they made me the company clerk and upped me a grade to a corporal Mm -hmm. from a PFC that was Fort Lewis I I guess I got discharged from Fort Lewis my time run out and I come home again and things was different things were different (laughs) tell us your wife's name Susan Ryan Heimer she was from here too Yeah. and you all at that point in time I guess Things were better. Yeah. And that's when you got together. I tell everybody I have loved her since she was 14 years old. How long married? Been over 50. 46 is the year we married. Well, then this is your, oh my gosh, this will be your 70th? I think uh, 69th or 70th. Wow. We met, you remember Brother Stallings, he was a preacher Baptist. I have heard of him, yes. We met him on Main Street in Nicholasville and asked him if he would marry us. And he looked as she had joined the Nicholasville Baptist, and this is what he said to her. Well, Miss Susan, I thought you was going to amount to something. What about that? You married. She married you anyway, didn't she? Yeah. So you get married, and you, sometime you decide it's time to start a family. So at this point in time, tell me your kids' names and uh, what they've been doing. Make Jenny's sure. the oldest. Virginia. Virginia. You know her. I know her well. I was married to Gary Simpson. Yeah. And, and Virginia's then, uh, worked for our school system for yeah. quite a few years. Then Robert, and he's been with uh, Link Belt. And then her youngest is Georgia, and she had she had a problem with a, what is that in an esophagus, mm-hmm. and she's had she's had a, a replacement, whatever they did, yeah. four times. Wow! 
So she worked for an, but she did work for an insurance company. And so she, the, she lives in Louisville. The three kids, yeah, and a bunch of grandkids running yeah. around, and, and that you're raising too. Now you've lived out in the Union Mill area for a long time, right yeah. down the old Union Mill Road, yeah. down close to the old what used to be the old Union Mill Bridge. But at some point in time, that you decided, I guess I better get me a, a good job. Yeah, is that well, when you went into the postal service? No, before that, I uh, I went to school on the GI Bill, took an accounting course. And while I was at taking that course, a uh, good friend, Arthur Martin, was working at the A&P East Main, and he told me one day, he said, I can get you a job part-time at the A&P. I said, okay. So I went down there, and it got hard. And uh, the manager... I can't remember his name, but he told me one day, he said, if you'll get your GED, I was working part-time, mm-hmm. you'll get your GED, I can put you on full-time. So that's what I did. I went I went over to the university, took the test, and it was a tough one. <laughs> but you did it. <laughs> Got my GED and, and worked for him. And Let's see, what did I do after that? Oh, I rented a farm. Miss mm-hmm. Tom Butler down on 27. Mm-hmm. Sue's brother, Roy. Had been on there Roy thir- thir- 13 years. Yeah. It, let me correct you. It's not Hammer. It's Hammer. 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 <laughs> That's right. So, and I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good man. Lived up. He lived up on Union Mill close to Locust Heights, didn't he? There on the left yeah. side of the road. Yeah. Sure did. Nice fellow. So uh, I farmed for Miss Butler five years. Then... Where I was raised, down on the Shun Road, the farm across the road was owned by Edward Dodd of Dodd's, Dodd's Corner. Corner. Yeah, they're across from Stratton. So, uh, Mr. Charlie Bond had been there 40-something years, and I saw him sitting on the courthouse fence one Saturday night, and I told him I'd like to rent that. I heard he was going to leave. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, we lived out here on 27 at the Butler place, and Edward Dodd come to see me. We sat on the front porch and talked, and he liked me, and I liked him. Yeah. He said, I'll draw up a contract, and if you like it, it's yours. So I stayed with him till he died, 12 years, I think it was. And then left the Dodd place, and we bought this one where we are today. Yeah, on old Union Mill Road. Yeah. Is is that is at that point when you went to work for the postal service? Yeah, yeah, or soon after that. So you worked at the postal service. You what did you say? Twenty years you were there. Yeah, about that. Carrying mail, rural yeah. care. Yeah, best I can remember. Well, uh, I was a dual for a while. Oh, you did okay. for dual. Yeah. Uh, Let's see, sixty. What? You were probably uh, with uh, Roger Easley. No, the, Roger had just left there. Oh, we, he was before you. A, Paul Watts was the officer in charge. Okay, yeah. And uh, then we got John Hunt. Yeah, John Hunt McMurtry. Yeah. yeah, right, okay. John Hunt, I took his route. You work with some wild ones. I mean, you had Julian Jeanette and that bunch <laughs> down there. That was the time, and that was the day. And, and yeah, Kirby Teeter, I see his picture in here, and you and Julian Jeanette. You pretty much could have carried mail anywhere in this county because yeah, all yeah, the mail carriers knew everybody yeah. around. Uh, was it 64 they declared uh, they couldn't hire anybody so they said the rural carriers could sub in the city and I subbed in the city yeah. for 
with uh, Ty Foster and uh, oh gosh, there's another name from the past. Yeah, Ty Foster. I, you know, you you've had a packed life. Yeah, I have. If you look back over your ninety, almost three years, pretty wide span. You've traveled the world because Uncle Sam wanted you to. You were involved in one of the most awful, ama- um, awful but amazing battles of wars that ever took place in the World War Two. Saw probably the most horrendous thing you'll ever see, and that's the concentration camps. But you had pretty good life. I, I mean, you know, despite uh, all of that. State it this way. The good Lord has blessed me. Yeah. Well, that leads me to the question, and it, this might be a hard one to answer for you. But when when your time is done, when your good Lord decides I'm ready for you, what one word do you want people to remember Creed oh, Johns by? That he was a good man. There you go. long as you can do that, long as any of us can do right. that. Treat your people well and serve your country in whatever way they need you. You've had an interesting life, yeah, that's I for have. sure. I sure have. And, uh, it's, you know, it's uh, and sadly our time is at a close, but I, you've got so many stories that I'm sure that you could tell about your service alone. I told my son Robert the other day, uh, it was Father's Day, he brought me a present. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I have been blessed with three good children. Yeah. Suppose that I had one that had robbed a bank or killed somebody. Yeah. And I have three good kids. So the Lord has blessed me that way. And you came from an era, especially serving in, in as close as you did in Germany and Italy during that time. And that's like we said before. You don't realize till you go some, through something like that what you got back here even though what you got back here may not be a castle it may not be a rolls royce but what you got after seeing that i've often told people that our government has its problems it does our country has its it will always have its problems always has but aren't you glad he put us here yes I don't know of anywhere else I'd rather be. Yeah, right. And thanks to you and your fellow servicemen, uh, you contributed to keeping us well, safe. After seeing those four foreign countries, I would do it again because nothing compares to the good old USA. I would do it again for them. Well, on behalf of all of our listeners, I want to thank you for your service. And uh, I know that, that it's a part of your life that... I guess in a way you look back with some pleasure because, you, you know, not a lot of people oh, got yeah. to do that. Right. But on the other hand, it's something that you wish probably had never happened. Right. It's kind of a bittersweet type thing. But thank you for, for going through it and making it uh, making it home. <laughs> I'm glad you made it home. I want to tell you this story. We stayed uh, at one place in Germany that I'll always remember and – the little village, I can't remember the name of it, but they come out with an order. You couldn't keep any ammo within the village. You had to move it out. So me and two other guys moved out with the ammo. And the clo- we have had a tent, and if a company come and wanted 100 rounds of 30, 30 caliber or whatever, mm-hmm. but there was a German lady that lived next to our tent, and she had a few chickens. And she'd save up her eggs until Friday 
and she would make us each an omelet on Friday. Yeah. And she washed our underwear <laughs> for a pack of cigarettes a week. <laughs> and I'll never forget that woman. Her name was Frau Gangross. And her husband had hid out during the war to keep Hitler from getting him. Wow. And their little boy would take, he hid, hide in a haystack, take him food to eat. And But the thing about it, she had a daughter, 19, that had a baby. And they couldn't get any bottle nipples. And she wanted us, us we were three of us staying in that tent. She wanted us to write home and get her some nipples. Now, my mother would have had a heart attack if I wrote home and asked her for bottle nipples. <laughs> but I always remember that good German. She was a good German. Yeah. She made us an omelet, and I'll always remember her. We we just don't know what to oh, what's no. coming down the road for you us know, today. Because I can imagine, as a boy going to Hanley School, the last thing that would ever enter your mind that you would be sitting in Germany, uh, no, not now. taking food from a German lady, she and, was, and then was. and then seeing the concentration. I mean, just it's, it's just, yeah. folks, you just don't know what's coming down the road. You just don't know. It's been it's been a good life. Yeah. Well, thanks for being with us. Wish you a whole lot more life. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You've been listening to a rebroadcast of a program that we aired back in July 9th of 2016 with Creed Johns, who passed away this past Thursday here in Jessamine County. We send extreme sympathies to his family and appreciate the uh, contribution that he made to our community and to our nation in his time of war. We appreciate you coming in also every Saturday morning on All Things Jessamine. We'll do it again next week at 11 a.m. Don't forget, I have a morning show too. I'm here every weekday from 6 to 8 to get you up and going on Chess FM 105.9.